Kamenetsky Brothers Podcast, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. It is Thursday, the 23rd, I believe, of May. I have really been on a roll when it comes to identifying the day that we're recording, um, which well, is great. Every, everybody, I think, in the orbit of the Lakers right now, they need to do better. Yeah. Everybody. I mean, you that includes us. Be on point. Yeah. Know I mean, what day it is. I mean, you and I have been associated with this team for a long time. We were part of titles. You know, I mean, you and I were once part of greatness, Brian, but at some point... You can't get complacent. Like, you can't fall for Laker exceptionalism. That means you need to know what date it is. That's right. <laughs> Everybody's got their job. Yeah. If you're Rob Palenka, Jeannie Buss, and these people, it's like negotiate a contract with a coach. Yeah. If it's me, what day is it? Yes. Yes. You're bringing us in. That's right. You uh, know what date it is. I have to know the day. So it's been, um, it's, it's still this week, right? Like, the thing about the Lakers is like stuff, so many things have happened. It's a little like the political cycle. Like so many things happen now that the thing that happened three days ago feels like three months ago. Yeah. Like I remember you had a, you were, you were tweeting with somebody earlier this week at Cam Brothers and not to get into the details of what it was, but like you referenced since Magic resigned like six weeks ago. Yes. And it feels like that happened six years ago. Yes. But no. Yeah, it was April wait, 9th. The guy actually, the guy responded to me. He's like, "It's wait, it's been only six weeks. six weeks. I mean, it's been six weeks." I said, "He resigned on April 9th. Yeah. The day was May twentieth. You do you the math. That. Bro. It's six weeks. Yeah. And so, like, that's like the the Monday feels like a long time. Like, yeah, stuff comes so quick. So Monday, of course, was the day that the Lakers uh, announced announced the hiring and introduced, I should say, Frank Vogel as their coach. But it it started off, Andy. Um, with a bang <laughs> about four hours before um magic johnson went on with uh Stephen a smith on first take on espn and max and, kellerman come on and man. max kellerman and and molly molly Quirin hosts is she still the other yes I, she's I, still there i don't watch that program um i was gonna say i'm sorry whoever's listening from espn but nobody's listening from espn so don't want to worry about that i so four hours or so before the, the 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 thing started. The Lakers had already lost the day. Now most people by now know what happened. Magic called Rob by name. A backstab. It's my like my friend. You know, tell me, is it someone else or is it? No, no, it's just Rob. <laughs> Levitard has been having a field day. Right. Just with Rob the, with the bite of Magic saying, "No, just Rob. Just Rob. It's just <laughs> Rob." Who was the? How many people like when you would leave your lunch in the refrigerator? When it very clearly labeled magic, mm-hmm. who would come and take your lunch? Just Rob. <laughs> what if that was? We the- should make it clear that's not what this is about. I don't. We're th- aware. I don't that think. We're aware I don't of. think. I just. It's it's important during these maybe times what that- maybe what Ma- Rob meant when he was walking around the building saying is magic here where's magic is I can eat his lunch and he won't know I just want to make sure in this <laughs> age of aggregation and that things are already bad enough for the Lakers I don't want to spread <laughs> new storylines that Rob Palinka steals lunches from clearly, the from the clearly from, labeled yes, yes. work there's one lunches. big fridge in El Segundo and Rob's been stealing lunches I want to make it clear to our knowledge that's not going to on. our knowledge. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we're not saying it hasn't. We're just not saying it I mean, it let's has. be honest. He double-crossed a blind man. <laughs> I, I know. It's, did, it's it's an easy one. But. Well, no, but I was going to say, actually, did, did he or did really Carlos Boozer and Palinka just said, well, I mean, he's my client. I got to do what my client says. Yeah, I think they probably both had a hand in it. Sure. And it, it would have. And I, I the one part of this thing that I think is unfair 
is if Gordon Gund could see, they still would have done it. <laughs> so the Gordon Gund's blindness really wasn't Fair. material to it. So Fair. anyway, um, but he went through all kinds of stuff and he talked about, you know, Jeannie Buss and her lack of really a little in a little more polite terms was very critical of her leadership yeah her leadership her lack of quality control when it comes to the people that she's uh bringing into the front office sure. you know, not being discriminated people on enough. the wrong side of the building having too much influence on other tim people. harris in particular he called out as you know you don't know basketball you need to stay in your lane he even actually that was I, the other drop by the way that, that's getting a lot of play now i got tim harris <laughs> yeah and also too and i and actually i thought this was an interesting part just in the sense that the irony was pretty thick Magic specifically noted Jesse Buss, uh, who's been mm-hmm. running the Lakers scouting department, and Joey Buss, who's been running the G League team. And they've both been doing this Very for well. a while, and both have actually been pretty successful. They both have reputations, everything I've ever witnessed or heard, as being very hard workers. And they've been around the organization for a while. It's basically like those guys wanting too much too soon. You know, they, they need to sit tight. Their time will come. Hearing that from Magic Johnson, who has less experience than them and only got the job because he's Magic Johnson. Right. I'm not saying that either one of Jesse or Joey is qualified to run the organization. I'm just saying the irony was yeah. pretty thick. And it's also too, it's like, you know, you know, I'm gonna I was I'm gonna teach them how to do it and I don't mind doing it, you know, help them out. Okay, but you're not there. And that's what I think is fascinating about this whole thing. Is that you know, it's a little. It's almost like the Lakers have a string of this sort of thing. Going back to the Dwight Howard thing, bad messengers for the correct message. Like Magic, I thought came off for me as somebody who's sort of around very poorly. The average Laker fan might sympathize because they like Rob Palinka a lot less than they like Magic. But you know, the criticisms of "you're not here" are legitimate. The criticisms to Jeannie Buss of hiring somebody. Who you know? Who said I? You know, I got my other things to do. I'm, I mean, I may not be here every day. Although or whatever pu- it is. I will say it publicly, publicly, they both. I mean, assuming Magic is being honest that he said to Jeannie, you know, I I can't afford it's financially. Told, somebody told us when he took the job. Right. He. I was going to say he. You know, he. Assuming he's being honest that he told Jeannie from the beginning, look, I'm not going to be putting all my businesses to the side financially. That wouldn't be viable for me or optimal. So I'm going to be in and out. Those were Magic's words. They told us, Magic told us that he was 100% in and that he, in fact, was putting his businesses to the side. And this, the Lakers, is the only thing he'd ever do that for. Right. He was, so either, either, he was he, either lying then or he's lying now. Yes. Or both. Sure. Um, and a lot of this is... And also, too, it's semantics. Like, what do you yes. mean I'm going to be putting... like? My definition, sort of like you know, your argument about Kobe playing off ball. Yes, <laughs> like whenever Kobe During the Ramon Sessions era, <laughs> right? Kobe, whenever he didn't have the ball, off ball, off ball, off ball. Yes, on I ball. mean even even if he was just posting up to get the ball back, off ball. In Kobe's mind, that's playing off ball. Balls over there. Yeah, I'm here. I'm off ball. Yes. Um, you know that how he defined it may have been different than how Magic defined or or Genie defined whatever. You you have a setup where you know it, nothing that Magic said, as true as it may have been, about how people called him about Rob Palinka, all the stuff about Palinka's reputation, stuff we've heard, yes, um, and well before things started blowing up, correct. That um, it, it doesn't mean Magic was good at his job, and so these sort of or let's criticisms of like when he sort of sat, he kind of sat in the chair with Stephen A. 
as if none of the criticisms of him were valid because the criticisms of Rob are real. Yeah. And I don't buy that for a second. I mean, it, it speaks to just, I think, the lack of judgment that Jeannie's had in terms of who she's brought in to run this front office. And look, when when it was announced that it was going to be Magic and Palinka, you know, from the beginning, I was skeptical at the idea of teaming up two guys whose main qualifications were, I know them. I know them because of their ties to the Lakers. But also, too, Brian, it, it's... One of the concerns I had from the beginning with Magic, and I think this has really come to light in the way Magic has described how he was going to do the job, my concern was Magic's going to think this is going to be way easier than it actually is. No question. And I think, but, but even worse, and this is something that the Lakers are going to have to contend with moving forward, Genie clearly thought the job was going to be easier than it actually is because she should have recognized you can't be the president of basketball operations like okay. that. In that sense, I agree. That was sort of initially when you're the first half of your sentence, I kind of disagree with you. But then the way you explained it after, I, I would agree. It's just it's it's the pattern with her. And like what that get you know, sort of to seg into Monday's press conference. Um, I wrote about it for The Athletic that. It's not that Palenka's answers per se were awful. They were fine. I thought he answered most things. You know, he, he explained in very definitive terms the organizational flow chart from basketball. And it is what we've kind of been talking about. But to hear him say it, I make the basketball choices. I run up to Jeannie. Jeannie she says yes or no. Uh, 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 Kurt Rambis is there as an advisor. You know, we have the staff. But this is what how it goes. I am I am the captain now. That's fine. I mean, okay, you got to go do the job. Um, They still, though, and it was a hard day, they still, though, do the bare minimum when it comes to trying to explain, like, and and I thought it was ironic that, you know, Palenka said, you know, when asked about the free agency thing, about whether or not this stuff hurts them, you know, we do the work. We know people are, you know, and, and we're inside this building. We know we're doing it and all we can do is go out and, and do it or whatever. But you, part of doing the work, part of the recruiting process is the communicating, is the selling, is the demonstrating that what's happening in here is something that you want to join. And I thought it was incredibly telling that as first of all, they took a bare minimum of questions. Yeah. And this is at a joint press conference. We'll get to Frank Vogel here in a second. This is at a joint press conference where at least half of the attention was going to go to the coach you just hired. So you're taking essentially, generously, 15 minutes of questions on everything that's happened since April 9th and going back to review the season, which was one of the questions that I had about accountability. Because for people who don't remember, Rob Palinka did not do an, did exit, do an interview exit interview after Magic resigned. You know, the day after Magic resigned was the last day of the season Rob Palinka nor any front office type hadn't spoke, and I don't know when. You know, we haven't heard from Jeannie in months and months, and I, I'm not sure the last time Palinka gave it might have been after the trade deadline, February maybe. I mean, technically, he talked to the media after the Lakers got the fourth overall right, a pre- pick on a conference call. Like but technically, it's a conference call. The last time Palinka, yeah, it might have been after might the have, deadline, but the even deadline. then, that was on the road. Yeah, like he was I in, I believe, Philadelphia. I don't remember. Um, I mean, it's been a while. It's been a minute. And so you you have a setup where your GM 
took the bare minimum of questions for like six months worth of stuff. And this was not like the media is out. To, it's like we have questions because like a lot of things have happened. Um, you know, we, we got some things ironed out. I wanted to ask him about like, look back at the season. What do you feel is your account of all these questions? Right. And it sucks for Frank Vogel. You're right. And it he, but, sucks for him. But look, you guys you put us do it. in yes. this position. We would not be doing our jobs if we didn't ask about these unrelated but relevant questions. Correct. That's so our job. He, he comes out, takes the bare minimum. I thought it was possible that after the press conference, at the very least, he would take a lot of times, you know, let people behind the curtain. And this wouldn't necessarily have involved you and me, uh, but they will allow the beat writers then. this the truly uh, break, daily beat The writers. daily beat writers. The, the LA Times, Tanya Ginguli from the LA Times, Bill Orham from The Athletic. Um, Dave McMenamin. Dave McMenamin from Om ESPN, Om, Like, you know, maybe a couple of the columnists. Or someone like Ramona because Ramona's Ramona. Right. And, you know, five, six, seven people who are the sort of, you know, the, the daily people. Kyle Goon. People like that. The, and that pull those people aside not for everyone okay but again opening yourself up to questions from those people he didn't do it he he left and Jeannie Buss who was apparently in the building did not show her face yep and so once again the Lakers left an opportunity on the table to at the very least explain themselves to show strength to show conviction to explain the plan to talk about you know to 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 counter magic's words and all that kind of stuff and i i it's the same caveat that's been there for the it's not that any of this makes it impossible for them to sign a free agent and if jimmy butler wants to play in la i think he's going to have you know a relatively not, not an ice-cold market, but a relatively cold market. The Lakers want him and are willing to pay him the max. Jimmy Butler could very well come play here. You know, whoever it is, it doesn't make it impossible for them to succeed. It just every time, every step makes it harder. And you don't want to make it harder. Unnecessarily harder. Yes, self-inflicted harder. Yeah, I mean, th- this stuff is always hard. Like, running a <laughs> basketball operation is hard. Like, you know... You forget it sometimes, I think, if you're Laker fans, because there's been so much winning, but winning championships is hard. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be hard. Like, it's supposed to be difficult. You, between, you know, from a Laker fan's perspective, between what they've grown up with and what you see now with the Warriors, like, it becomes very easy to forget. This stuff's supposed to be really damn hard. Yeah, for sure. But two things that stood out to me during the press conference before we get to Vogel, Brian, when it comes to the Lakers and Palenka, and they both sort of center around the same thing is the lack of being proactive, lack of proactivity in terms of how they strategize with this. Because, you know, their you know, their end of the media with all this is pure strategy. I mean, this isn't about the, you know, the information that you put out there so people in the media can do their jobs as journalists. This is purely strategy. You know, this is about the PR and and winning the PR of it. I thought Palinka did fine. Like you said, you know, it was a combination of answering questions and deflecting them. He seemed less BSy than he normally does. Right. I mean, there were no, you know, literary right. references. He didn't open with like a chapter from Pablo Neruda. Yes. I mean, like he kept it pretty businesslike. And I think he's probably been hearing, you know, a lot of, dude, it's not impressing anyone. Stop. Like you've mm-hmm. become a parody of a parody of yourself. But where I thought Palinka specifically missed, and it would have done really it would have served him specifically well was some element of contrition. Like in talking about with magic saying, look, I apologize to magic. If he felt that I did things to him 
that were undermining to him or worked against him or you know that made me seem untrustworthy obviously that was not my intentions but i have a lot of respect for magic and i apologize for making him feel that way even if rob in his head knows damn well what he did that would make magic feel that way at a time when everybody considers you arrogant and aloof and weasley and insincere to put it out, to put I don't it think out, that would. I don't think. Anybody I'm not would, I don't was, think anybody would have bought it. No, I think it would have come off but it's, as weasley but it's, and insincere. No, but here, no, but I, I, I because I I apologize if I I apologize if I did something. No, no, to, you, you know, but it's not even if I did. I apologize for what I did. I did. What did he do? Oh, Rob, what'd you do? I, say I, was, I don't. I was say, talking about him behind his back. No, you, oh, no, you no, not even that. Say <clears> I don't. Say I don't know. Well, but, he, but that's he, the same thing. No, it's not, though. It's, sure it is. I apologize for what I did that made Magic feel uncomfortable. What did you do? I don't know. I'm not sure. But he clearly feels this way, and I feel bad about it, and I'm taking responsibility for my behavior. But he hasn't, For what he, behavior? He hasn't told me. He hasn't told me what I did to make him feel this way. But sure I he cl- did. He said, you're walking around the office telling people that, you know, undermining me and, and bad-mouthing me. You either did it or you didn't. I just I, I thought I thought actually thought his answer to that question was one of his better ones. I I, um, I, I in the think sense it was an that opportunity I, lost. Because I, I don't think contrition was going to play in the same way that you. It's are. not a matter of contrition playing. It's a matter of putting it out there. Also, because this is the other part of it. If they had gotten ahead of this earlier, like everybody had been saying, like why are you guys remaining radio silent? You guys need to go out there and say something. If you would put it out that if he had taken questions, Rob Palinka, two weeks earlier, this stuff would have come up. Because none of this is mm-hmm. new. And Rob would have had the opportunity to get asked about his relationship with Magic and say, look, I'm not exactly sure where everything fell apart. Because let's let's take him at his word. Let's take him at his word for a second that he hasn't actually been undermining Magic. Like, there's a possibility that he hasn't been. So let's take him at his word for a second that he hasn't been actively going. I mean... Beyond, you know, everybody complains right. about each sure. other in no office. Question. But let's just say that, you know, maybe he's complained every now and then. You know, it'd be nice if the guy was here. But he hasn't been running around making a show of, where's magic? Where's magic? Like, let's just take him at his okay. word for a second. And if he says, like, look, I'm not exactly sure where this is coming from. I thought we had a better working relationship than we did. But clearly, I did something that upset him. I, my interactions with him didn't make him happy and i feel bad about that and that's something i need to learn from i need to make sure that the way i interact with people is more positive because it, it, it gets back it just it gets back to the same thing either you did what magic said you did or you didn't and if he didn't do it then i but it still I, matters though the way you come I, no, across I, but i don't I, I my point is i don't think how he would have come across there would have communicated what you're saying it would have to me i mean i can tell you right now for me hearing it, it's similar to the domino's pizza thing several years ago their campaign where they said we need to do better hearing rob palinka simply say you know i asked him directly you have this reputation as untrustworthy right i didn't ask him to defend himself i didn't ask him to no, you know, I refute it but i said how concerning is that to you what can you do about it if it is concerning and his response was basically just we're not trying to win the public or media opinion and you know at the end of the day you just do the work would have been nice to hear him say you know what Maybe it's something I need to work on because no, I'm not no, trying no. That's, to be insincere. That's different. That you're, if you're asking me, does I think does he need to do a better thing. job of? I think it's all part of the same understanding thing. and recognizing his reputation around yes. the league. That I agree with. I think it's I just, all part of the same. <laughs> thing. I, I think in relation to Magic, I actually liked the fact that they pushed back and said, "You know what? I 
I thought he did because he basically did say, I thought we were fine. Um, he obviously disagreed, but he's also been, you know, two days ago, we had a great conversation, which seemed to be confirmed by the organization. Like, like two days ago, we had a great conversation and basically saying, this guy's just, you know, you're sitting here accusing me of being a two faced a hole. You are, ex- you know, you're the but same. But then, then come out and say it. He did. No, no, he didn't. No, he, he talked absolutely, around. He, he, he talked he, he around. Really. He basically said, in a polite way, he said, and the subtext was really clear. He's two faced. You see, I, I guess to me, <laughs> I feel, not, you don't want to, you don't want to start an open firing war. It's with not Magic an open Johnson. fire. I guess, if you call him a two faced, if you no, say no, he's but being two faced and he's lying, yes, you are. And that keeps, and that just cycles the narrative, and that that keeps this cycle going. I guess in to a way me, I feel like if you're going to take the high road, you should take the highest and sort of most multifaceted of roads. I, I, I think you, your basic point of Rob Polinka needs to do a better job recognizing what his reputation is around the league and and addressing it is separate to some degree from the match without getting buried in this. But like. I, I think my point is I think there were opportunities there for Rob to do actual damage control with himself that he passed on and I think it was a mistake. Oh, I agree, but I don't I wouldn't I mean this is why I wanted to ask him about accountability. I don't I am very curious as to his answer of you know basically the question was, you know, I, I obviously brought every time you don't make the playoffs, we failed. It was a failure up and down the we need to do better. Great. I get it. But how much of this do you attribute to injuries? How much of this do you attribute to choices that you guys made in the front office? Uh, decisions, yeah. the way you did well, things. Well, there are tons of questions I, people wanted to right. ask. And, and didn't I get to. would be willing to bet that his answer would have shaded far more towards if this injury didn't happen and this injury didn't happen and this right. injury didn't happen. When really what Fourth we learned. Fourth place in the West. Right, blah, blah, blah. What we would have learned is, what I think we eventually learned is that the injuries exposed their mistakes and LeBron staying healthy would have papered over. Them. I mean, people forget. I mean, as much as you know, the the people who try to take up for the idea that ever you know everything's fine, the media's exaggerating this. You know, this team was fourth in the West before everyone got hurt. They were fourth, and they you know, there's no question they would have made the playoffs. I think so had if, guys I, 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 had the roster had the roster healthy. stayed healthy, they were going to make the playoffs. There's no question. I also think there's no chance in hell they would have stayed fourth because their their issues were already starting to come to light and teams were already starting to attack them at the time when they were in fourth well, like maybe i just i think the bigger issue is that stretch where they jumped up in the standings was a stretch where they played the easiest part of their schedule the easiest part of the schedule but even in that easiest part of the schedule you were starting to see teams attack their very obvious weaknesses of they can't shoot mm-hmm. so pack the hell out of the paint force them to ch- like their point differential at their best was never great and that's the sign that this no is but not- it was it was if you isolate the stretch, the whatever it was, eighteen and nine stretch where they were winning, it was it was fine. Like it, it, you know, it, you know, they also lost a bunch at the beginning. They were an okay team. If they could have gotten in the playoffs, as we've seen this year, you know, you know, LeBron is good enough to carry you through series and stuff like that. You don't know what would have happened. But the the point, the bigger point is, they made process mistakes in how they put that roster together. That it's possible would have been covered up in some ways. The Lakers are better off for having learned them than they would have been. Assuming for, they've learned them. Assuming <laughs> I, they've learned I, them, which is why I would have expected his answer would have demonstrated that they hadn't, yeah. or that he, he was unwilling to take that kind of responsibility. Um, there's a lot that he needs to work on, and they didn't get to it, and that's why it would have been constructive for him to sit down in the chair and say, "Guys, 
Um, here's the deal. I know I haven't, you know, nobody's been in front of you for six weeks, eight weeks, 10 weeks since whatever. I know you have a lot to go through. There's the questions of the negotiation, all of it, magic's resignations, the stuff this morning. <clears throat> here's what we're going to do. We're going to give Frank Vogel his time and we'll turn to him now too. We're going to give Frank Vogel his time. And, and when I'll he's done off. with his questions, I will sit here. Well, I, I, I will. I'll stay here and answer questions, and I will, I will stay until we're done. Yeah, and I will answer all your questions, yep. and I'll repeat myself, and I'll, I'll give the same answer to the same question asked the nineteenth different way, and you'll basically do what Magic did the night he resigned, which is to stand there yeah. and let the media punch itself out. Like well, he and, really and, should have done it two weeks before. Well, so of course, he, but he so, didn't. Right. And so he what didn't. he should have done correct. was stand there and yep. answer. And, and, Absolutely. And what I think what, what people who are like. You guys just, you know, not you guys, but like the media's just raising this. Nobody would have liked it. That's probably true. There would have been a lot of people who would have criticized his answers. But the point is he would have taken the questions. Right. If you stand there and you take the questions and you answer and, you you know, if you answer them well, great. But you respond, you show a vision, you show commitment, you show all these things. And the the image that you project to people is one of. You know what? Okay, well, you know, maybe maybe I should at least engage this guy. Maybe I should sit down and find out what they're doing and take them a little more seriously, um, because well, it sure looks like a guy who has an understanding of of what he wants to do and and what they were went through. As you and I always say, it's not about the results. Of it. You're never going to make everybody happy. You know, in terms of how you handle this stuff, it's about process. Mm-hmm. And the Lakers' process of Awful. late has With been everything. horrific. Particularly um, when it comes to the PR that they really care about, right? And it, and you know, and it, it their, the process hurt Frank Vogel because you know the, his Monday's press conference, which should have been about him or certainly could have been, um, you know, again the, the caveat is Magic hijacked that day in ways that the Lakers apparently, uh, as Ramona reported, like tried to get ahead of there. Like, are you gonna say? That's why. I mean, that's really that really speaks why to you why believed him. Well, no, but, why but, you believed him, but also it really speaks to why you needed to have talked about this before. Because if you had talked about this before, and Magic goes on blast, Rob Palinka can say, "Look, a lot of this is asked and answered. Right. I've talked I'm not about taking, this already. I've I've already talked about this. I am not getting into a back and forth with Magic Johnson. I have too much respect for him. I have too, too much, much attention for Frank Vogel. No question. I'm not taking these questions and, today. And he and it won't make everybody happy." But he would have solid ground to say it. He'd no question. You're right. No, you're ground. right. And, and by the way, Magic, for all the talk of Jeannie's my sister and I love the Lakers. Very odd way of showing it. Look, man, I, here's the thing about Magic. I mean, and maybe, the, you know, because he considers himself a quasi-bus. I mean, maybe this is just a bus family characteristic. He is as bad with direct confrontation as he, I think, rightly accused, uh, accuses yeah, Jeannie, Jeannie of being. being. Magic right. can't confront anybody. Seems like not in this. Not in this. No, I mean, look, he... I don't know what he does in his business world. I have no idea. But in this in this this setup, he's he's been just as passive aggressive and letting stuff go by and not dealing with it head on as he accuses Genie of being. You would be ticked too if some guy kept stealing your lunch. (laughs) So Frank Vogel, it really is the kind of thing that chaps you at the office. Yeah, takes your. I mean, it's really it's like the worst thing you can do. We have signs in the studio taking lunch. Number one, microwaving fish. Number two. Don't be either one of those people. Yeah. Um, so Vogel sits down and you know has his day hijacked, um, awkward to say the least. I mean, it's, it's he did fun. great. I, I, it's, I thought right, he did it's funny. Great. But it's like he is he's one of these guys, and like 
on a personal note, like as a person who talks to coaches and has to cover them all the time, like I don't, I, I'm not excited at like every day. Let's go ask Frank Vogel questions because it's gonna be like you're talking to coachy guy. He like is a lot. easy. I will say this: easy to transcribe. He is. That's that's that, that matters. That matters. You know, he's very much a coach, and he's very like we're gonna, you know, this. And they talked about accountability. It's you like, know what he is? He's meat and potatoes. Yes, he is. I and mean, he's he's exact. He's like a he's what he was describing. He's a grinder. He's a, you know he speaks in a lot of coaching, whatever. But in terms of the the messaging that he gave, he, the ability that he had to handle this incredibly awkward day that was about literally everybody but him. But him. I thought I agree with you. I thought he did great. Yeah, I wrote about that for the Athletic, and in particular, what I thought he did really well, Brian, was he weaponized positivity. Like he was just unrelentingly positive about all these different controversial issues that he was asked about whether you're talking about just the general state of the front office right now and the reputation of the lakers that they wanted ty Lu before him uh the jason kidd factor which is oh, by the way is another way that the lakers left him hanging to answer that yeah. question like and people are you know like it or don't like his answer about domestic violence frank vogel wasn't really given the option of Adding Jason Kidd, regardless of what he thought of him, that's a question for the organization. Do you care about what's your, you know? And but they to be clear, Fra- to be clear, Frank Vogel said it did give him pause, but he talked, he, he with mentioned Kidd it briefly, briefly about it. And it's one of those deals. It's like I, you know, that's not his question to answer because the the the, the team is telling him to hire him. Yes. So this is how this is how it's going to work. We're okay with it. You need to be okay with but, it. But, beyond, but they left him to but answer But beyond the just that past with Jason Kidd, he was also asked about the narrative that Jason Kidd is there to shank him take and his take job. his job. And he said, look, I love the idea of having somebody like Jason Kidd on my staff who's got experience as a head coach, who has gravitas among players. I have always worked with front offices and building out my staff. Mm-hmm. And he presented this as an opportunity. And look, in his head, he may be thinking – I'm watching out. It's for not them. who I would have put on there, right? But, but he he spun it great. Yeah, and it's like if I and, and in yeah, a way that felt believable, right? Sure, and I, I don't worry about. I mean, I, believe, I block out the noise, and if if I do my job and we win games, Jason Kidd's not going to take my job. And I thought I thought that was good. I thought his you know the, there were a couple of moments of I don't know if irony is the right word. One of them being when he talks about organizational togetherness. Hell, and I, I don't. I don't think he was sending a shot at his own organization that he'd been around for a week. Um, I think he was talking about his philosophy and what's important and how it, in his experience, and he's been around for, well, he was an assistant for like a decade before he was the coach yeah. of the Pacers. He's only 45. He's been in this for a long time. He knows this is a formula that works and this is one that doesn't. But like the irony of saying that during this time wasn't lost on anyone. He wasn't taking a shot at the Lakers front office. He said, this is my experience, which is about a week of it, is that the the atmosphere in the building is great. It's fine. Um, (laughs) Did you see, speaking of it, you mentioned Frank Vogel's 45. Did you see Josh Hart's comments on Gilbert Arenas' podcast? Uh, Yeah, a little bit. That I I am sure... I am sure we're not directed at Frank Vogel. Josh Hart, Josh Hart, along with LeBron, was at Frank Vogel's press conference. They were yes. there supporting Frank Vogel. But he was Josh Hart was on Gilbert's Gilbert Arenas' podcast and talking about uh, analytics and you know the people that throw them out. And I think he was specifically talking a lot about media types, people like you and me, 
or you know ba- people who are basketball pundits. But he said, "You telling me that this dude that's forty five that's never played doesn't have an athletic bone in his body going to tell me how to play basketball?" <laughs> That is funny. And again, I don't think Josh Hart... Josh actually said later in the podcast that he's talked with Frank Vogel about his role. And he really... He wants clarity with his role. Because he said last year, he entered the season expecting to be doing more playmaking. Mm -hmm. And working on more playmaking. Running pick and roll. That sort of stuff. And then halfway through the year was basically told, go spot up in a corner. Right, because... Which was upsetting. That's about when they scrapped the plan. Right. Right, uh, right. It's just yeah, it was fun. So, but like you know, this this notion of like he, if Vogel's right, like you need organizational. Everybody does need to be pulling in the same direction. All these kind of things. It's it was a nice reminder to the the the, the front office. But the other part that I thought was <clears throat> more practically interesting was when he talked about um what he's learned and how what he did that was successful in Indiana isn't what's going to be successful today what he his philosophies about offense aren't can't be the same now as what they what they were before and what that means and and dave uh, mcmenamin has been done a lot of great reporting on this kind of breaking down like all of like he vogel in his year off basically went and, and and sought out other coaches and five six seven organizations and really tried to dive in and learn in this year off um it's, it's we none of us know now what that means in terms of what it's going to look like. Does he really going to change his habits? Is he really going to do things differently? And his offenses were always criticized, both in Orlando and in Indiana. But it's certainly nice for to hear somebody say, "Yeah, I got to evolve. I got to do it differently. I got to you know, I, the game is different." And I, I was talking earlier about self awareness. You know, that, that really I would have liked to see from Rob Palinka. That yeah. was great self awareness from Frank Vogel. And so much of this at this point, Vogel's fine. If we if 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 the if the original group of three coaches that they had talked about and really put out there and interviewed initially was Monty Williams, Tyloo, and Frank Vogel, and they settled on Vogel, people would be like, Ty "Little Lou? odd, really." Tyloo out there, you got down the road, and you know you negotiate. Obviously, he Vogel's not your first choice, but nobody nobody dismisses the idea of Frank. I mean, I think I would hire Frank Vogel before I would hire Monty Williams. Probably. I definitely would have hired him before I hired Jason Kidd. Yes. Although although I will say this, they so clearly wanted Kidd on this staff, seemingly more than they wanted Ty Lue or Frank Vogel. Vogel. Yeah. They're, in some ways, practically speaking, in terms of the game of, you know, the, the the theater of it all and the, you know, the politics of it all and the Game of Thrones of it all, would it, it would have made more sense in a lot of ways to just take the optical heat and hire Jason Kidd as your head coach. Well, that's another thing you got to stand there. And I wrote answer, about that for the questions. athletic. Just stand there and answer questions about. Right. It. I like, mean, but they they didn't um, because it's not like people are going to be like, "Well, he's a bad dude." Like what he did, I can't forgive him. But you only gave him a job. You didn't give him the best job. Right. Like that's that, if you think you can hide Jason Kidd, who is higher profile than Frank Vogel, that seems, is one cockamamie scheme. Seems wrong. So um, seems like what they're trying to do. Yeah. So. You know, you, but at this point, the, the, Vogel, he's a good coach. He's a very solid, very safe hire. He's not going to get everyone excited. Nobody's going to come to watch Frank Vogel coach. But Vogel, he's a perfectly acceptable yes. alternative, given who, especially given who was available. All this stuff about him talking about what kind of defense and, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> 
switching and how things are different now, even when on the, the side of the ball that he's known for. Uh, often, we can't answer any questions about any of this until we know, do they have a Frank Vogel roster? They, we don't know who's on the team. And nope. it all goes back again to July 1st, to the draft, to free agency, to trades, and what they do to put this roster together. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. It's back. I mean, it's all back to Palenka and Kurt, I guess. And, the Ramby. Yeah. I mean, Linda's, Tim Harris. Linda's scouting. It's, give Frank Vogel a good team. He'll probably give you a good Does result. Ryan West still have a key card? I think so. <laughs> I mean, like, Ryan West. To talk, talk about a lot. He, he seems forgotten to me. Ryan West seems very forgotten to me a lot. And he's somebody that's been around a while and you may have heard is the son of the guy who's considered the greatest general manager ever. And it has a good reputation. Yes, I, he I does. Just, it's, 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 I mean, parsing out who does what inside the office is always difficult. You know, when things are going well, I'm just saying he goes opt, he goes unusually unheard of. Yeah. Um, I think that's He true. flies under the radar in ways that are a little bit confusing. I don't know. I actually kind of find it refreshing. But um, either way, it's all back in the front office again. Like Vogel had his moment. Now we we, we we have to wait four months or five months before we can argue about whether or not he's doing it right. And even in that context, a lot of what we're going to be arguing about is based on what they gave him. Yeah. Speaking of which. It's back to Rob Polinka. Yeah. Um, you know, they've got the fourth pick now that. I think the assumption is they will only be drafting for themselves if they couldn't work out a deal. I mean, it makes yeah, it I, makes the most sense. I mean, you've got the LeBron era. You've already burned a year of it with nothing to show for it. He's only going to get older. He's coming off the most significant injury of his career. And the you know the young players you currently have on your roster, even if you're like you and me, Brian, and actually think they all have a fair amount of potential, there's uncertainty with all of them, Yeah, which, sure. which lowers their trade value. So the fourth overall pick is, I think, your, it's your best trade chip right now. Well, it's the thing that you can add to something to kind of either put you over the top if it's an AD that's, deal that's or a better way whatever it is. It. That's you a better know, way of putting it's, it, yes. It's this other thing that yes. had, you know, big difference. Even in a down draft year, and people see you know, a three-person draft or whatever, the fourth pick is a lot better than the 11th. Yes. And so, you know, if you can't trade Brandon Ingram or a team is reluctant to take Brandon Ingram because of, you know, Ingram's... Uh, health status, maybe you could substitute the fourth pick for Ingram Yes, and still get a deal. And that fourth pick can become whatever that other team wants. Sure. Um, so, I mean, we'll probably know even when they make the pick whether it's yeah, staying. for sure. Um, we can't make a trade for a month once you draft a guy. Uh, I There are a hundred ways that they could do this, and they could turn it could turn out good, it could turn out bad. Um, like I said before, they've just made their lives harder. They made it harder for themselves to succeed. The positive attributes still line up really well, but we've known what they are, and other teams also have them. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn has them. New York has them. Clippers uh, have the them. Clippers have them. There are teams around who can do stuff. Denver's got great draft ass or uh, trade assets. It's a really difficult year to, to kind of be the team with a bunch of cap space and so because everybody else got it. the flip side is there's an awful lot of stuff out there. An unusual amount of stuff, more than normal. So that gives them the opportunity for something like a Jimmy Butler deal or something, which is, I feel better about Butler now than I did six months ago. Still not my favorite. And you, you're, if you get Jimmy Butler and LeBron, you got to load up on shooters. Yeah. You have to load up on shooters. Um, you know, I, 
Jimmy Butler. You still is, need more stuff. I mean, Jimmy Butler's a, he's a good player. You know, the concerns I have about his mileage and the time under Tibbs still remains. Sure. The concerns I have about his personality still remain. But also, too, Jimmy, I like his personality more than Kyrie's, though. I guess. I feel like Jimmy Butler, Butler is like, is less weird than Kyrie. He's, he's, they're, they both are fully capable of being a pain in the ass and very self centered or whatever. Kyrie is at this point we can all agree a weirdo yeah he's just an yes, odd guy but that's also too that weirdness is exactly why i will not dismiss you know the the rumor and the narrative about him and lebron playing together again. well it's he's, possible just because it's so damn weird, it's weird. yeah the the weirdness is what allows me to thing. believe it um and you know, ultimately, I think a lot of these guys just, if they want to be in LA and the Clippers can't, their first choice Clippers, Clippers sign Kawhi, sorry, you know, they'll come play here because they want to be in LA and they want to be around. I don't think the Lakers are necessarily going to sell them. It's very much, again, can you not screw it up for a guy who wants to be here? I just find it fascinating <coughs> the idea of how much of free agency is hinged to Kyrie Irving, who may be the most unpredictable player in the he's, entire league. He's just an odd guy. Him, or him, by the way, or Kevin Durant. They may be the two most unpredictable players of stature in the league except KD's unpredictability I think is more predictable I think I think we understand kind of KD's insecurities more than we like but KD's we don't quite understand going... though how they're going to manifest themselves for that matter actually by the way three Kawhi Leonard he's literally unpredictable because nobody's Nobody, heard right. him ever but say he's not, but, seven but, but he's not weird mm. Kawhi is weird I don't think he's that weird oh I think he's weird why I, th- I mean, I don't want to really unpeel the layers. No, of- I, I'm curious why you think Kyle is- Leonard is weird. He basically is a mute who still drives like a 97 Chevy Tahoe. He, like, nobody can figure out what makes him tick. Like, nobody can figure out what makes him tick. I don't tick. think that's true. I think a lot of people kind of, like, like you read, like, features on who the guy is. I just think he's, uh, what what's weird about him is that he's He's inscrutably very weird. I find him inscrutably different. weird. I don't, weird I don't, is a, weird is a, is but a I don't mean it as opinion. a pejorative. I, I understand that. I don't mean it as that. a pejorative. I don't mean it as. I like weird. Yeah. He, I think he is a weird guy. It is unusual. He's to, weird relative to his peers. In that's the sense what I'm talking about. He doesn't seem about. to care about some of the same things that they care about. He, take it a step further. I can't figure out what he cares about. Like other than basketball, I think he cares about winning basketball and being in in a comfortable drama less less uh, low drama environment. Right. I think that's what he cares about. Everything I've read, everything sure. that, you know, everybody you know, friends that have spoken sort of for him about the kind of guy he is. Apparently, if you're friends with him, he's perfectly engaging and a, a sure whatever. He I is, mean, as he says, he's a, a fun guy. He's a ha, 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 ha. he's allowed to be as quiet. I think as that's he wants what he cares. Be. I'm about. just saying. I think Kawhi is kind of a he's kind of for the way for the way stars tend to be in sports, particularly in the NBA. I think he's kind of an odd dude. That's he not is. A bad he's, thing, no, he's odd. But he would be he doesn't because he doesn't care about seem to care about. But he about would be hard stuff. to predict his moves. That's I think, what I'm talking about. I think he about. stays in Toronto or he goes to the Clippers. I think that's it. Okay. I think KD either stays in Golden State or he goes to New York. I think that's it. Kyrie. I think the Clippers are in play for Kevin Durant. I think they're absolutely okay. in play. But I'm saying my my belief, if I got to handicap it, stays where he is, goes to sure, goes to New York. Um, Clippers, I put third. <laughs> but the other guys, it's like Kyrie. I could picture him going to Brooklyn. Figuring that out, you know, you you especially you know you move D'Angelo. To, a lot of people think he's kind of a two anyway. You put those guys, D'Angelo's long enough, it'd be a really bad defensive backcourt, but whatever. Um, I could picture 
Kyrie going to New York. I could picture him coming to either L.A. team. I cannot picture him staying in Boston at this point. I don't think they want him anymore. Um, it's interesting, but, actually. I saw. And I picture I, him engineering I, some sort of weird trade to Denver. It, you know, it, I mean, it's like no, uh, but you understand, you know, like just some odd thing. Like this is how, ah, this is how I'm going to Kyrie. It's interesting, I, I, and I apologize to the writer because I don't remember who she. I think it was a, a female writer who wrote this for uh, SB Nation's Cavs blog. But basically, how it may have actually been Cleveland who won that deal after all, just because they ended up getting assets at a time when LeBron was likely going to leave sure. no matter what, and Kyrie has shown that keeping him I, would have been a mistake. I, I Jimmy Butler's age worries me. Kyrie's kind of mental makeup and his knees. Like, yeah, I don't. I don't love the idea of giving him all that money either, just because I feel yeah. like you're going to lose a lot of that to injury. Obviously, if he wants to come, the answer is yes. But it's just interesting, though, just yeah. because I mean Cleveland's taken a lot of crap for that, and as time has gone gone along, I think it starts becoming perhaps easier to at least, if nothing else, understand really why they said no. We don't have time to try to make this work. Uh-huh. We need to get him out now while we think we can get the most value for him, even if it pisses off LeBron, who, by the way, is likely leaving anyway. And they've seen what it looks like when Kyrie is the best player on your team. You're not going to win enough. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that part, it all comes comes back to the front office. Um, Do you want to do anything else before we go, or should we call it? Um, You would... uh did you want to have the GOT discussion or no? Uh, we can. Uh, real, you know, everybody saw the Game of Thrones thing. Not me. Uh, not you. Everybody watched the show, seen yes. the finale, and has been disappointed by it. And I watched it. Was it was. Eh. Um, what what strikes me though is just we've kind of reached a point where ending a show like that is virtually impossible. HBO, much like the Lakers, made their lives almost impossible to succeed by having a shortened season seven and a shortened season eight at a time where you actually need more time to yeah. really tell these stories in a way that won't uh, disappoint people. But what I think is just, it, it also is reflective of just the the the, the review culture that we kind of live in. Like, I was thinking, because Veep just wrapped up as well, and had a really good final episode. It wasn't the greatest of all, but it, they, they, did a, they landed the plane very nicely. And I think in on one of the shows that is Certainly, arguably a top five comedy of all time. I'm not sure if you Veep's a great show. Watched it. I'm behind, but it's really right. good. It is great. It's a I great mean, it show. It is an all time great. It comedy. It is a great comedy. It has arguably a better show. It is perhaps some, not as ambitious from a technical standpoint, a sweeping storyline, blah blah blah, as Game of Thrones. Arguably a better show. Sure. Um, uh, certainly more consistent from the beginning of its run to the end. I'd I'd rather like if I could create a show now out of thin air. I'd rather be that show that's like that, that has like a really nice, dedicated following, great critical acclaim, wins a ton of Emmys. Um, you know, I'm going to get, you know, the people who worked on Veep, plenty of doors are going to open for them. The cast members you see now popping up everywhere. And nobody. Cemented Julia Louis Dreyfus as like the goat comedian. Yes. Like, I don't say comedian. I say comedian. She, like, like she's like, TV maybe the one is insane. Yeah, she is maybe the greatest TV comic actor like people forget ever. the new adventures of old christine won tons yes. of awards no i mean she I watch it. it's not i mean i never watched it watch it but i've seen episodes it's fine no she, not a bad she show. may damn well be the goat when it's all said and done i mean that, she's amazing she's it's unbelievable but like, i just i i'd rather be veep i'd rather my show be veep where i could just do it and not have this 
like echo chamber of people and like you know some are out there just to be disappointed but also too it's like they had every right to be the season was disappointing after 18 months between seven and eight after a shaky season seven anyway i don't i don't want that for my show i want i want i just want to do my show and be able to make it as good as i can and have people like it and not get tied up in it that way like we ruin everything now well i mean look we we may people our say insti- we- our instinct i think as at least as a commentary culture is to ruin everything See, it's interesting and i was thinking about commentary that. culture it should be noted is the very top of actual culture right and there are probably plenty of people you know what was it like 73 million or 17 million whatever it is some astronomical for cable number watched that show 15 million of them are probably still like i love game of, of course Thrones. of course there are plenty of, i mean i know people you know i know people who actually thought it was a good finale but like I was thinking about this because you know this gets talked about you know a Sophie lot. Sophie Turner. <laughs> this gets talked about a lot, you know, in today, you know, in both the the social media age that we live in right now, and you know, the everybody is a critic age and the think piece era. Like that, this is very specific to now, and and in certain ways it is just because it's more magnified. But like in the pre viral pre viral age, I was thinking about you know you and I, and I think Mom actually, we saw Blair Witch Project opening weekend. Yes. And it was before it became this phenomenon and before people were picking it apart in ways that, you know, you can pick apart anything once everybody sets their sights on it. And we liked it because at the time it was this really unusual thing. Like we didn't believe that it was literally found footage, but found footage wasn't yet a genre. Right. People forget what Blair Witch was when it came out. And once that thing exploded, that's when everybody started to hate it. But when it was just this small indie movie that you were like, holy crap, I can't believe they made that on like, what, like 50 grand or whatever the hell it was with these, you know, these unknown actors that nobody knew a thing about presenting it in this way that even if you don't think holds up great upon repeat viewings at the time was totally original. That was in 1999. Like that was, you know, 10 years before Facebook, like, you know, Twitter was nothing close to existing. So like. The, these things happen. Like, you know, Forrest Gump went through that type of backlash where in the beginning, Well, because everybody it becomes loved. cool to right. dislike the popular thing. You are, you're a sellout if you are, are a sheeple yeah. and, you know, and, and, and buy into the, the popular thing because you are being taken and I, I, person living in Silver Lake, see through it. I remember, <laughs> I remember this vividly. My sophomore year in college, I was in Venice Beach with a guy that I used to hang out with that was that type of guy that you're describing. You know, like the the true hipster wearing that on his sleeve, like yeah. badge of honor. I bought a friend of mine a t-shirt once that said, um, I listen to bands that don't exist yet. Yes. He was that guy, you know, who was highly, you know, aware and also resentful towards the sheeple. You know, that ruin everything that was once great and, you know, pervert the artists that become the adoration of the sheeple. And we were in Venice Beach and there was this Jeep driving around and it was blasting Smells Like Teen Spirit. And this guy that I was with yells at the Jeep, sellouts! And I'm like, who are you yelling that at? Like, are you yelling that at... Kurt Cobain and Dave Grohl and uh, Chris Neselovich, I apologize for mispronouncing his name, that aren't here? 
are you igno- are you yelling oh, yeah, that the at the people driving the jeep to it like right who never sold out in the first place just i'm like like the song right like, like who who are you directing this at but you know i will admit as somebody who was you know in college during the era of you know college rock that used to be a thing and nirvana you know exploded in that scene you know grunge was in many ways tied to college rock you know i i got i gained an appreciation for nirvana after they were done because you get so just you you get you're, you're it tired get, of the conversation yes. and the and you're tired. yes like people say this all the time brian you hate the lakers that's not true I don't mind the Lakers at all. The Lakers are good for business. The Lakers are how I make a lot of my, my income, children eat and all that. I sometimes get tired of Lakers fans. Yeah. Oh, sure. You know, the, and, and I think you Except know, the ones listening right, right now. No, no, You're no, great. The, you know who you are. Like, Laker <laughs> fan that yeah. irritates the crap out of me. You know who you yeah. are. Um, that's not the same. People say, Brian, you don't, you don't like Kobe. It's not true. I have enormous respect for Kobe. I think I, I consider myself lucky for having to be able to cover him as long as I did and be around him. He was interesting he as was, hell. I mean, he's, and it's just the you know was, nobody's perfect, but like my God, he's one of the greatest basketball players. But of he all was time. exhausting to cover because of because the, of the people. Because yeah, a little of his, bit of Kobe, a little bit of Kobe. Because <laughs> but Kobe was really what I found irritating and what I agree are the but the Kobe stand the Kobe stands the Kobe stands made it harder right, and more it exhausting it very than it should have been. So yes, it's. Yes, you know, like I, I have become as I've gotten older. I've gotten much better at. It's just sports. It's just a TV show. It's just whatever. It's like I, I am not going to allow myself to get upset over what I've liked season eight of Game of Thrones to be better. Sure, I took the time to watch it and all that. But it's like, okay. Well, you also too, you invested all the time leading up right. to it as well, and so I was going to watch it to the end or whatever. But it's like I. You know, my, my Blues are in the Stanley Cup. I'm really excited. Like, now they've been in the Stanley Cup since 1970. I'm negative five at that point. If they lose, I'll be bummed out for a day or so. But I'll, I mean, okay. I'll, you know, next, what's, you know, it's like, I'm not, I, I can't allow these things to rule my head. It's like, and I think we're losing touch with that. At least some, too many people are. To where the anger, and I don't know if it's related to our political climate, and it probably doesn't help, where just everything you got, it was like, you know, absolute now. But it's just a TV show, folks. And while I think the last two seasons knocked Game of Thrones down a peg or two on the all time great show pantheon, yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I believe that the look, finale I, wasn't very good. I believe in being discerning, and, and, I, and I, I care about how this stuff gets executed, and I think. You know, I've heard some people say that we're paying too much attention to how shows end now, and I don't I don't buy that because this stuff has always mattered. I mean, TV now especially is basically one long movie. We've always cared about how movies end. So the idea that we're paying too much attention to the ending, I don't buy into that. I just think we need to make sure we're maintaining perspective in terms of what it all actually means. But the idea of you know keeping track of all this with a critical eye, I think we should do that. It's how it's how stuff remains good. I no, I agree. I agree. I just it's that it's it, it does get frustrating when like because I and, and it's like at the same time like people the the counter argument is well stop reading it stay off Twitter or whatever but it's like I do kind of like the I like the analysis and a show like Game of Thrones like really needs it like you a lot I need, going on I need the people to remind me of things that happened in season three. That you know theoretically influence characters. No, that's where the nerd army comes the in. Nerd very army handy. is very useful. Yeah, 
um, and like recap culture and all this stuff. Like, oh wait, no, oh this is why it's really oh, good. I mean, there's... this is something that I missed that actually is a nuance that makes this even better than I thought it was. Like the Marvel stuff is like that. Like it helps to have the nerds around. No, I, Alan Seppenwald does. You know, he's a he's a great writer. We've interviewed him before on our podcast, um, and he he does Better Call Saul recaps that are a phenomenally well written, but beat him. Yeah, they they help you understand things, and I, you know I'm somebody who loves Better Call Saul, and I pay close attention when I watch it. You know, I put the phone down, put the laptop away. I am engrossed, but there's still stuff that I don't pick up on. A guy like Alan, who's just smarter than I am when it comes to this stuff, he's useful, right? So, and the, and, but it also means people are going to point out, well, when it wasn't as good. But again, if you want to be, it's just like the, the the conversations we have on sports radio, and if you want to be the goat. You know, you got to yep. you, you got to be open to criticism. Yep. So it was a good run. Uh, it was an interesting. I, I wonder. I always wonder what the next one of these is going to be. Um, how quickly, or if it's even possible for people. You know, it's it's possible Game of Thrones could be one of these last kind of because the the entertainment landscape is so fractured. Yeah. Um, it's tough. At least as a TV show, movies. It's, tough. it's easier for a movie to do because it it's just one. It's just one event. Star Wars in Christmas time. It's going to be one event. Like you can kind of galvanize around that and everybody can talk about it because it doesn't require 10 years of commitment. Um, I don't know how many more TV shows are going to be able to do what Game of Thrones did. I don't know. It's it's only going to become more difficult. All right. um, Speaking of that, things that are going to be becoming more difficult. The Lakers entering the summertime. Uh, Plenty to get into there, although we are entering a bit of a a downtime between now and the draft and then. Uh, but once the draft comes and getting close to July 1st, plenty to get into, and we will do it. Uh, we'll see everybody next time.